We're so glad that you're listening to the Branches Podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening. Psalm 118 and just the the first nine verses. And so hear this from the 118th Psalm, the Psalm of praise and thanksgiving. It says this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and he set me in a broad place. With the Lord on my side, I do not fear. What can mortals do to me? The Lord is on my side to help me. I shall look and triumph on on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to put confidence in mortals. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. What's the point of praying? What's the the end goal when we pray? It's probably different from individual prayers. If you do, like I've encouraged you to do, to look at the prayers on the wall here or the ones over here, you'll see the, the end of a person's prayers for healing or for understanding or for reconciliation or just to kind of get something out and to let God hear it and bring God's peace and comfort and love and life to it. So each individual prayer has an end goal, but if we thought of prayer conceptually, what's the idea? And over the past several weeks, we've talked about unanswered prayer and praying without ceasing and how to pray this model prayer, the Lord's prayer that Jesus gave us. And then we kind of began with this foundation from Mother Teresa about this mutual listening. When we pray, we listen to God. And when we pray, God listens to us. We kind of use the metaphor of the, the phone's never hung up. The line is open. We listen and God listens. And it's just kind of a matter of checking in throughout the day. Like, oh yeah, God, you're there. I'm here too, you know, and making that connection, your, your presence, you just let God know that you're there as if he doesn't already know, but it brings to mind your awareness of God. But what's it all mean? Like if we're to end this series today, of course I wouldn't say, okay, and that's our series on prayer. We're done with prayer for now. Don't ever pray again. We'll come around to it again eventually, but uh, we figured it out. We're masters, right? Uh, we're not. We're figuring out as we go and we're kind of asking the questions and reading the books and looking at people like Mother Teresa, these luminaries, these saints, these figures of the past that teach us how to pray. And I was trying to think of like an image or kind of a thing that would help me understand what it means to continue to pray, but to pray with the right end goal in mind. And I was reminded of this great scene um, from Parks and Recreation. Uh, great show, big fan. Uh, Andy and April, couple. Uh, April is kind of um, dark and cynical, and Andy is too dumb to be cynical, you know? Uh, just warm and bright and funny. Like some of the funniest bits from the show are from Andy. And one of the later seasons, Andy is in Washington, D.C. 
And he and April uh, take this trip. They drive cross-country uh, to uh, the Grand Canyon. So they, they drive overnight, they, hours and hours and hours, and they you know, make some pit stops along the way. And it's just a long, long drive all the way to Washington, D.C., uh, all the way from Washington, D.C. to the Grand Canyon. And the episode ends, they're looking out at it. It's really beautiful. It's kind of this touching moment. You see this look on Andy's face. And I mean, it's the Grand Canyon. It's just like awe-inspiring, just the sublimity of creation. And, and Andy looks out and he says, where are the president's faces? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you see April's face is kind of like, oh, Andy, you know, that's kind of what it is. And I thought about prayer that way this week. They're like, I don't want to like go through the practice of prayer and then have the wrong end goal in mind. Like, I don't want to get to the end and be like, hey, I thought it was going to be this. Hey, I, I thought we were going to arrive at, at this conclusion. Hey, I thought this was going to happen. I, th- I thought if I prayed enough that everything would turn out my way, or if I prayed enough, it'd be this way, or we'd be an expert by the end of these six weeks. And I don't think that's the case. Uh, we're looking out. It's like the Grand Canyon. This this like beautiful thing that, that prayer is, this gift that we've been given, and we can never experience all of it our whole lives, and we're like, this isn't what I thought it was. And that's what prayer is been to me over these past six weeks. I've been reading about it and thinking about it and preparing for these messages. What is prayer? I want to show my cards, the kind of conclusion I came to this week. I just kind of here at the beginning, especially on Palm Sunday, that I think prayer, I think the goal of prayer, the end goal of prayer, the kind of place that we're all aiming in prayer, this is not going to shock anyone. The end goal is Jesus. <laughs> I had a friend in Arkansas who was getting a new pastor and he asked me, he was like, do you know this pastor? I was like, oh yeah, you're really going to like him. If, after he comes, let me know what you think. So I checked in with him and I said, how is he? Like after you saw him on his first Sunday, what did you think? And he was like, uh, he talks about Jesus a lot and he's preachy. I was like, yes. He, he didn't think that was a compliment. <laughs> he was kind of to criticize the guy. But that's kind of my, my end too, like to talk about and end with Jesus. My kind of favorite Christian thinker of the past was Karl Barth. And he always kind of cheekily said, it doesn't matter what the question is, the answer is Jesus. I think that's prayer too. And it was like, okay, Colin, it's very Sunday school of you. Of course, the answer is Jesus. It's kind of cheating. It's a cop-out answer. We'll get there. There's a couple of things that, that, that Jesus does when we pray. That if the goal is to be with Jesus, to be in connection with Jesus, to have a relationship with Jesus, what's the fruit? Maybe that's kind of what we're talking about. Now, when we pray, when we ask God for things in Jesus' names, there's, there's kind of two things that happen. There's kind of two possibilities. I'm going to categorize them as stasis or transformation. They're like, God, you know, this is good. Uh, thank you for it. We praise God. We adore God. Thank you for the blessings you've given me. Keep them right here. Stasis. Or transformation. This situation isn't good. God, in Jesus' name, will you do something about it? And I've quoted Mother Teresa and Henry Nowen and Dallas Florida people in the past. And so I always want to give you like a new luminary every week, a new person to look forward to, like that teaches us how to pray in these ways. So for stasis, perfect example is Homer Simpson. There's a great, great example prayer from Homer Simpson. You know, he's like an on-again, off-again religious person, but he's like kneeling at the side of the bed and Marge is watching him and he's praying to God. And he's like, hey God, it's me, Homer. Um, this is the best my life has ever been. It's perfect. Don't change a thing. And if you're saying yes, if you're responding yes, don't give me a sign and I know you've heard me and nothing happens. And he's like, thank you, God. <laughs> And he says, in response to you doing that for me, I have this plate of cookies and this glass of milk for you, like he's Santa. And he says, but if you want me to eat them, don't give me a sign. 
and nothing happens. And so he eats them. Prayer uh, in stasis. We want things to say the same. And we probably, not in those same words, not like Homer Simpson, but I prayed that like, God, let me just be where I am right now and that things are exactly the way I want them. Don't change a thing. Uh, likewise, the opposite end of the spectrum. Let's revisit Mother Teresa. She was giving, uh, she was giving um, spiritual direction to Henry Nouwen, another kind of hero of the Christian faith. And Henry Nouwen was kind of in this place where he didn't know what to do next. And she told him, uh, he'd traveled all this way to ask her advice uh, for you know, how to be a better Christian, how to better follow Jesus. And she said, pray in adoration of God for an hour every single day and don't do anything that you know is wrong and you'll be okay. Okay, Mother Teresa, all right, cool. You know, that seems pretty good. And her, her end goal is to say like that, will, that, that kind of deposit, that one thing a little bit every day is gonna change everything. Like you don't have to have this, this big kind of transformational hallelujah on the mountain moment for prayer to be a portion of your life. That's transformative to day in, day out, say one hour, that's hard for a lot of us to set aside one hour to pray. And then don't do anything that you know is wrong. I like that clarification, that you know is wrong. That changes things. And so again, it kind of gives us these, these two sides of this coin of prayer. We actually sang about one side of it today, breakthrough. And I think this is what we expect in prayer every time we pray. Uh, that we're going to pray and then God, because he's God, is going to instantaneously change the situation. But there's also kind of like process prayer, and that's what Mother Teresa is talking about, that, you know, uh, Soren Kierkegaard says we, we live our lives in the present, but we understand our lives in the past, in retrospect. And that's what process prayer is. Like we, if we keep track of our prayers in our Bible or something, if we go back and look at prayers from a couple of years ago, well, we'll see maybe that God has responded. Maybe not the ways we wanted, but has answered those prayers in some fashion. Um, when I complain about my job, for instance, I think I've shared this before, uh, I'm reminded by my peers and my wife and my colleagues, like, remember you prayed for this, <laughs> you know? That's process prayer. <laughs> and breakthrough prayer, maybe many of you have experienced it, 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 it's that God does something miraculous, that God breaks through. Uh, we want more breakthrough prayer. There's kind of this funny joke people tell, they, they, the person is praying and they say, God, give me patience and give it to me now. <laughs> That they want breakthrough prayer, but patience is something that comes through process. We want to pray well. And so we look at, we look at this psalm as maybe a model for how um, we might see prayer breakthrough or process in our lives, how God answered these prayers in Jesus. If Jesus is the end goal, if Jesus is the end goal of our breakthrough and our process prayers, if Jesus wants to help us make good things stay the same and also transform things that need to be transformed, this, this prayer gives us kind of a good look into that. Psalm 118, these, these first four verses, it says this, oh, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his steadfast love endures forever. God has enduring love. So in your process, in your day in, day out, that doesn't change. You might, but God's enduring love doesn't. It's this Hebrew word hesed. It's God's faithfulness to you that he is not gonna give up on you. I have this image burned in my mind that when I got confirmed at my church back in Arkansas, my youth pastor, we stood on either side of this coffee table. He's like, okay, you lift up that end and I'll lift up the other end. And he said, what, hap what would happen if I dropped my end? I was like, please don't, <laughs> please don't. I don't wanna break your nice table. And he says, uh, 
God's faithful love is that he's always holding up your end even if you drop your end. That's God's hesed, faithful, loyal love to you. In those first four, four verses, it repeats it over and over again. People are like, why do the, the Psalms repeat things so much? Because we forget. So in our breakthrough, we're reminded, yes, God is faithful. And in our process, we have to remind ourselves, God is faithful. And also within those verses, kind of embedded is, let Israel say, let the house of Aaron say, let those who fear the Lord say that, that in our process and in our breakthrough, we're not alone. That there's these groups of people that this, this prayer is lifting up and say, it's this, this house, this city, this people, this kind of group of religious people. God is with them in their prayers. And I always love in verse five, out of my distress, I called on the Lord. We get this like uh, inclination to pray because of this thing that's happened in our lives. And it says, the Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. This idea of this broad place, so we see it in like uh, Psalm 23, like we're kind of out in this pasture with God, we're out in this freedom, we're able to, to breathe because of that faithful love. And in verses six and seven, with the Lord on my side, I do not fear. What can mortals do to me? Uh, we see that again echoed in the, in the New Testament. And the Lord is on my side to help me. I shall look in the triumph of, on those who hate me. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. That in that broad place, in that freedom, God offers help and healing and breakthrough and in process. And then we sing this in songs a lot, that it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to put confidence in mortals. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. That we put our confidence in things that aren't gonna last. Even if they seem really powerful and important, they're gonna pass away. But Jesus' faithful love won't. Like I said, where we pray where our vocation is, our call to prayer, and what God desires to do in the world are inextricably linked by prayer. What we desire in our transformation, what God desires for the world, the hurts that we see that God has paid attention to, they can't be changed, they can't be addressed, they can't be seen, they can't be heard unless we live lives of prayer. And again, all of that converges, all of that, our prayers and God's wants for the world, all that God sees and visions for our community and for our city and for, for our families and for us individually is linked and is found in the convergence of this person. This, this person who entered the city of Jerusalem some 2,000 something years ago. And to acclamation and praise, but people weren't waving around swords, they were waving around palm branches. And people were expecting this great victory and there was a great victory won, but it wasn't by the slaying of his enemies, but by being slain. And it wasn't by power over, but it was power under. So this promise that's given in Psalm 118 that God is faithful and he's gonna do these mighty and victorious breakthrough things was fulfilled but in a way that we didn't expect in the person of Jesus. And that's what we're preparing for in this coming week, for us to stomach that. Because even though we know Jesus' story and even though we wave our palm branches around and even though we, we, we know his ethical teaching, we know the way that he lived his life, we know the shape of the cross and the words that Jesus spoke from it that we'll observe on, on, on Good Friday, we know all of that. Some of us really, really want that promise to be fulfilled in a different way. That, that when we pray to Jesus, he's gonna show up and just like kick butt for us. <laughs> that Jesus is gonna show up and he's just gonna overpower all the, the things in our lives we want him to overpower in the, in the way that we see the world overpowering. That we're gonna like pull the crank of prayer and there's like out pops deliverance or out pops healing or out pops exactly what we want when we want it and not Jesus himself. There's a word for that and it's a word that we talk a lot about here at Branches is abide. If prayer is anything, 
It's to bind us to, it's to shape our relationship with, it's to draw us in closer proximity with a person. Not with our wants, not even with our own hurts, but with the one that can heal them, with the one that sees them. For us during this week, with the one that took them on willfully, to draw us in closer, closer relationship with somebody who, who fulfills all of those things from Psalm 118, who has enduring love, that's prayers answered in Jesus, who connects people in community, that was his gift to the world. I'm gonna leave, the spirit's gonna come, and the church is gonna be born, there's gonna be a new community. I'm gonna set you in a broad place, God gives freedom in Jesus. I'm gonna help and heal you, it's answered in Jesus. I'm gonna give you refuge and protection by taking on the hurts of the world. In other words, what the psalm says, when we look back on it, if we're looking back in retrospect, if we're seeing this story of Jesus entering into Jerusalem, if we're really praying our prayers and, and hearing an answer from God, almost always the answer, that what, what Mother Teresa said, what Homer Simpson didn't understand, is that the goal is, the advice is, the guidance is, look at this guy. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Focus on Jesus, that the end in prayer is always to draw us closer to Jesus. Again, I say it out loud, I'm like, that's too simple. <laughs> that's too easy. That's not enough. I thought the end goal of my prayer was for, for, for me to get what I want or for my friend to be healed. But the end goal is to be with Jesus. And then the fruit perhaps is that someone is healed or the fruit is that there's justice in the world and it rings out all over the place or that re relationships are reconciled or you see goodness all around you. But the end goal, the, the primary concern for us in our prayer is to be closer to Jesus. I wanna, as I have been ending every week with just kind of some opportunities for us to maybe click into ways that are more helpful for us along the way to, to tap into that drawing closer to Jesus. And I think the primary way that we tap into the story of Jesus and understand those promises being fulfilled in him is to pray prayers that have written, been written by people long before us that kind of connect us to that story. So I have kind of four um, resources I just want to commend to you. Uh, the first one doesn't have a title on it, uh, but it's the Book of Common Prayer. Uh, and there's way, you can watch YouTube videos on it that kind of guide you through how to pray through it. And if you need a prayer book, I mean, it's a classic, it's a, kind of a genius work that helps you pray through all of the Bible, read all of the Bible, and also connect your prayers with Christians all over the world. People that are saying, look, it all turns back to Jesus. Uh, the second one is kind of a newer um, kind of take on that idea. It's called Common Prayer uh, by Shane Claiborne. Uh, and points out these lives of saints along the way too. Really, really worthwhile resource. Uh, the third one, a personal favorite of mine, The Divine Hours, Prayers for Springtime, uh, is one of the volumes that all through the Christian year. Phyllis Tickle, what a cool last name. Love it, big fan. Uh, rest in peace, Phyllis. Uh, thank you for your gift of this book. Uh, kind of, again, in that same pattern of praying prayers of the church through the centuries. And then this last one, solely because uh, I'm a big Psalms guy. I love the Psalms. The, it's the prayer book of the Bible. It's this gift we've been given. We can pray the prayers that Jesus prayed. If you want to pray them, but also pray alongside somebody that you know, has a lot of good stuff to say about him. I can't recommend enough. It's called The Songs of Jesus by Timothy Keller. Uh, and some of you know who he is, these devotionals. So you go through uh, the Psalms uh, throughout the year to pray these prayers. All of that. The end goal is not just to be like, hey, I use these prayer books. Isn't that neat? But to say that these gifts that we've been given by Christians of the past and of the present help us see, help us turn back to, turn our eyes upon Jesus as this Psalm does. That's the gift that we've been given. And as we wrap up this series, uh, the last thing I kind of want to 
to remind us and encourage us. And this is, I think for me uh, too, uh, as I was thinking about prayer this week, because I feel so, I don't know, in shambles about prayer sometimes, is uh, Jason Isbell is a songwriter, personal favorite of mine. And he, he's in recovery uh, and he sing, writes a lot about growing and changing and healing in his recovery. And one of the things he says in a song of his is he says, it gets easier, but it never gets easy. I think making that distinction in prayer will go a long way, uh, more than we could ever ask or imagine. To say, I'm never gonna wake up and be like, I'm so good at prayer. <laughs> in fact, I think if you had that thought, you're probably not very good at prayer. <laughs> What Jason Isbell says about his recovery applies so well to this discipline and any other spiritual discipline that in that day in, day out process deposit of saying, okay, today I'm gonna choose to turn my eyes upon Jesus. You'll find it, there's less friction, there's a lot more traction the more you do it. But it's never gonna be like, I'm the best. But you are gonna find ways like, I can lean into this more. It's a, my first stop when I'm feeling sad. It's my first stop when I'm looking for something. It's my first thing in the morning and the last thing I do at night. It gets easier, but it never gets easy. And I've talked to so many of you like, about your questions about prayer, your ideas about prayer, resources or things that you've learned about prayer. And I think that applies generally to any question we could have about prayer. Is that as we do a little bit at a time, if we set aside that hour like Mother Teresa said, that's the end goal. So we don't get to the end and be like, this isn't what I thought. But if we keep it simple, Jesus is at the center. That's who we're looking upon. That's when we look out like the Grand Canyon, like Andy and April did, we say, oh, this is it. And there's so much more than I can ever take in. And a little bit at a time, I'll experience more of this God who's faithful, who's loyal, who loves me and answers all human prayer, answers all of our longing in this person. It gets easier, but it never gets easy. But God's with us every step of the way and that's the good news. Let's pray together.